Blog Talk Radio. I'm Diane Byrne, the editor and owner of megayachtnews.org, and today we're speaking with Bob Saxon, a renowned consultant within the megayacht industry. Having run his own charter company, Bob Saxon and Associates, sold it to and worked with Camper Nicholson's, and now as an advisor to many different firms within the business, Bob has definitely seen highs and lows. Now, the megayacht market these days is definitely seeing some lows. This is throwing some industry members and even owners for a loop, since in previous economic downturns, the mega business has remained essentially immune. While there's reason to be worried, there's also cause to be optimistic. Bob has some insight into what's been going on and how companies and buyers alike can take steps to ensure a better future for themselves. So, welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Are you there, Bob? There we go. I think we got you now. Hi, Diane. I just said that it's great to hear from you and to see, I guess, sort of see you once again, only having seen you a few days ago. But I'm here in Fort Lauderdale, the yachting capital of the world. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. So let's get started. Um, you know, it's it's obvious that the mega market has suffered, but how bad has it really been? The reason I ask is because some builders and buyers seem to have forgotten that the past few years were really unprecedented boom times. So I'm wondering if perhaps for some of them that might be coloring their view of what has been going on. Well, I would – well, this is a two-part question, so let me answer this way. Uh, in, in, if you speak in relative terms, it probably is the worst that I've seen in the uh, 30 years that I've been in this business. And, you know, having been through September 11th and then the uh, ill-fated luxury tax and uh, maybe a handful of recessions over the years, it's probably as unprecedented and as bad as I've seen. You know, we're all um, contending uh, with an unknown marketplace to most of us that's unfamiliar to us. And, you know, it's like the in Greek tragedy, the greater the fall, the greater the impact, and the, and the more that the message is realized. But uh, going back to your question, I would agree that um, these, you know, following what, what you called uh, boom times, or, you know, such a great fall really has given everybody, I think, in the industry a distorted view and, uh, you know, I had spoken recently at the Super Yacht Forum, and I mentioned there that it's not as if the yachting industry is more of a boon, it's more of a, in a hibernated state. And, you know, uh, you're talking to one of the great optimists of yachting at all times. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, really, I have great faith and confidence that uh, yachting will return. But, uh, you know, in talking with people and talking all over the world, as actually in Italy recently as well, it's we're going to be back, but um, those heights that we reached in the past few years that we've experienced and enjoyed, it's going to take us some time to get back to where we were before. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now there there are companies like Kawash Yachts and Royal Denship and the Ferretti Group and Rodriguez Group that have suffered some pretty serious financial setbacks and. I think buyers and suppliers alike have become nervous that perhaps more companies will follow. Should 
should they be nervous? Do you think there are more companies that may be going down that path of bankruptcy or having to reorganize? Well, I think their their nervousness is is uh, justified. If you, in talking about talking about Ferretti and Quash, uh, I don't know the specifics, but you know those companies are and Rodriguez. Those companies are likely representative of companies who um, during those boom times you referred to. Uh, did a little bit too much excess and have too much inventory on hand, and perhaps in some cases are even over leveraged in, from a debt standpoint. Yeah, but those are pretty typical of boom times followed by a sharp decline. It's sort of over excess followed by a reality check, as it were. And companies, I think, um, with those characteristics, unless unless they're capitalized to the extent to get them over the hump, you know, they're really feeling the pains. And I just don't think that we've seen the end of it. And, in fact, we're probably going to lose over those next several months, which normally represents these summer doldrums, uh, when the industry kind of goes into a slumber anyway. It's just that some firms are not going to be able to, um, in my opinion, withstand the prolonged recession. And, you know, these are basically classic symptoms of diff- difficult economic times. And, and you know, it, it, it may sound harsh when I say it and people go, wow, but, it's it's really in our industry in particular. It's really a matter of whether the you know it's a matter of the strong will survive. And I don't think though, even for the strong companies and those that are cash rich, I don't think any company hasn't felt uh, uh, the impact of this recessionary market that we're in right now to some effect anyway. And I, incidentally, you mentioned Ferretti. I did read here recently that Ferretti is in the process of restructuring their debt. So are the reports of their impending demise might have been a bit premature, and we can only hope that they survive because it's a good product and it's a good brand. But, you know, as we say, Diane, you know, everybody fell into that trap. You know, I went out and bought a new car, too. Uh, you know, during those boom years, an over-excess became the norm. Um, but uh, for those companies that weren't absorbing or subject to debt obligations, they're the ones that will prevail, and they're the ones that will represent the market uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Good points, good points. And even even with these companies that are suffering right now, um, and among among the ones that are strong and the ones that are somewhat strong, they still do have contracts that the owners are sticking with and that their suppliers are still able to fulfill. So uh, I remember just a few weeks back you and I were speaking, and you had some really interesting information on the number of deliveries that are expected by the end of the year. Why don't we go over that and why that's actually maybe some good news for well, everybody to focus on? Sure enough, um, it is good news. As a matter of fact, the the assembly lines are still very active, and the the trends, recessionary trends. I have to make this point: the recessionary trends haven't really caught up with the assembly lines and those that's those yachts that have been in under construction and such, and about to be delivered. So I think, though, however, in contrast to that, the order book may be more representative of what's going on in our industry at this particular time. That being said, and again, talking to the eternal optimist here, uh, not to be forgotten that these are, these, are, these are facts and figures that come from by way of the Yacht Report and you know, Camp Nicholson's Yachting Index and Showboat's Order Book. There will be nine, during this year, during 2009, there will be, in fact, 919 yachts that will have been delivered in excess of 80 feet. And those are being built at 131 different yards around the world, uh, representing an average length, those yachts, of 124 feet. 
And I like to try to draw this illustration from a visualization standpoint that if you laid all those yachts end-to-end, it's better than 103,000 feet of yachts, which is 21 miles from here to Miami. And, um, and, And also it's important to note that these just don't splash and then sit there. But the point that I make to vendors and suppliers and such is that these are 919 multi-million dollar businesses. And those multi-million dollar businesses represent collectively about somewhere I estimate in the neighborhood of two and a half to three billion dollars worth of purchasing power. And, you know, we said suggest that those are, those are insurers that are providing repairs and maintenance facilities and crew to be employed and food provisioners and purveyors and flowers and uh, photographers and suppliers of all sorts. And, you know, and going beyond that, if you talk about uh, such deals as from anywhere between three and five years, every yacht needs a paint job. So that's nearly a 1,000 new paint jobs going to be on the books in three years. And you know those paint jobs are going for a few hundred thousand dollars and upward. So, and also uh, to make the further point to emphasize this whole thing is that next year alone, during 2010, Guess what? There will be over 1,000 yachts over 80 feet being delivered to owners. And at the Super Yacht Convention, there was some talk of mothballing. And, you know, the industry kind of moves uh, on its own scuttlebutt. And, you know, my research would tell me that, yeah, there are a few examples of yachts going and being mothballed and crew being laid off and all that. But those are exceptions. And sometimes people try to make the prevailing notion by way of an exception. But purely it's an exception. Most yachts are still in service. All those yachts are being delivered. All of them are being crewed. And, again, they're following down the fame. Uh, they're, they're depending on vendors and suppliers for that multi-billion dollars worth of business. And, you know, the points I make to the groups that I speak to is, you know, what's up to you is now is how to get them to pick up the phone and call you. Right, right. You know, I'm glad you brought up the information about the non-marine vendors, you know, the insurance companies and um you know, the florists and the other companies, because I think that's something that a lot of people overlook. There are many people within the marine industry who, who do think about the impact on local communities, but some of the, say, politicians or, or regular members of the local communities where the yachts are built and where the yachts travel to may not really realize how much of a good economic impact they do have. Um, so there's something important, I think, for everybody who's listening to really keep in mind, and um, it's something that I think would be good to continue to Yeah, if I, if I might just um, interrupt just a second, Diane. There have been some really good studies. Now, Fort Lauderdale and Broward County are arguably considered the yachting capital, the yachting capital of the world, South Florida. And I think that they call it that because um, most of the better major marine repair and maintenance facilities, major project facilities, and the most skilled craftsmen for those jobs are located in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, there was a study done not so long ago by the Marine Industry Association of South Florida through Murray and Associates that if any of the listeners want some startling facts and information about the impact that a yacht can make on a local economy by just visiting that economy and participating in repair maintenance or just shoreside support, that the economic index, the economic study uh, that was done by the MIASF makes for a very, very interesting reading, and it and it sort of uh, this sort of goes up against this whole notion that, that about you know the wealthy once were the admire were an admired group, and now wealth wealth and affluence and big yachts and luxury jets and all that are, are frowned upon. 
until people begin to realize that they weren't there at the incredible amount of economic support that they provide by just simply visiting those areas. Mm. That's all great information. Now, what about, um, let's talk about the charter market, since there's a, there's some interesting developments going on there. Um, you know, charter yachts obviously have an economic impact in the various communities that they visit, um, but some brokers have reported that bookings are down by as much as 50% over prior years. Um, but the recent Genoa Charter Show, some brokers responded that it actually looked like things might be turning around, um, if not only in the respect that the owners are willing to put the boats out there and willing to um, you know, do what it takes to really showcase the boat, but it seems like some of the charter clients themselves may be coming back. Do you see any positive signs emerging for them and even for the charter clients themselves? Yeah, I think so. As a matter of fact, uh, the I, I would agree. You said 50%, and I would agree in talking with my industry colleagues that the charter market has been off as much as uh, anywhere between 40 and 50%. Interestingly, it fell off that much immediately following uh, 9-11, and the reason it did at that time was because um, clients simply weren't willing to put their families on airplanes. This is a different situation altogether, and this is a, really a natural reaction to the marketplace again. And you know, the, the charter market is nearly wholly based on disposable income. That's been proven. And, it, and there are two things that upset the charter market. One is the stock market, and then this note of this overworked cliche of conspicuous consumption. You know, Bill Whittemore, a fellow I used to work for some 30 years ago, and you know that name, he was the pioneer of yacht management. He plotted the stock market against charter activity, and it was uncanny. The, the bar graph just followed each other up and down, downward trends, upward trends, according to what disposable income was available in the stock market. So the recent upsurge that you have seen in the marketplace, in the stock marketplace, is loosening up some money, I believe, for chartering. Um, I have it from very reliable sources um, that chartering is, in fact, as you suggested, and as the brokers at the Genoa Show might have, it's, we're just a slight uptick in the uh, charter market right now. And, again, that's consistent with the stock market. And Also, the, the other factor that comes into play is that it's also this natural tendency that if the market is down and you're a charter client, you're a bargain hunter. And um, with bookings off as much as they are, I think yacht owners are more inclined to talk about discounts or extended charter vacation deals. So as far as I can see, and from my experience, there, there are two market indications that will predict a bounce back for our industry. And first is the uh, brokerage market, used boat market, uh, will show some signs of recovery. And that will be, as consumer uh, confidence grows, and that will be coupled by a uh, marked research in charter interest. And they go hand in hand. And, and once those two positive signs become manifest, then you know the old upward trickle effect starts to take place. Lots of charter clients do buy yachts. They get into yachts, and then they get into yachts in the 100-120 foot range, for example, and then they want to build up and get into larger yachts. And that's what this whole market is based on. And that's why you see it as stagnant as it is right now, because the brokerage and the used boat market is off considerably. Mm-hmm. Right. While people are waiting for this bounce back and waiting for more signs, perhaps, of the bounce back to really start taking hold, 
um, there, there are definitely some things that, that companies and even individuals can do. Um, not too long ago, you did a presentation to one of the industry organizations in Fort Lauderdale, and you made the analogy that I thought was a really good one. You said that the companies are ailing and need to seek the right medicine. So for the benefit of some of the people who are listening to this who were not able to make that meeting, um, you know, what advice could you give them as far as figuring out how they are ailing and the right medication, so to speak, for that? Yeah, that's funny. I actually was trying to come up with some clever way to make my point. You know, when you're public speaking, you've got about 20 minutes to grab their attention and all that. And, yeah, I was doing this analogy of the body proper as compared to the corporate individual uh, or the corporation itself, as a matter of fact. And I, I asked um, everybody there to do sort of like this self-analysis and look inwardly and introspectively as regards what I consider their um, respective corporate health. And I went into some details I, uh, interestingly, I, I distribute a bedside medical chart, and I ask the attendees there to um, describe their symptoms, the diagnosis, the, whatever prognosis might be suggested uh, toward better health. And the most important thing for companies and individuals these days that have found themselves in this sort of a stagnant, this pause in the marketplace, is uh, to look introspectively, to look inwardly. And, you know, when you're sick, you know, um, the most difficult thing is, the most initial and immediate reaction is denial. And that's why, you know, it sometimes takes an outsider to step in and diagnose just as a doctor would. And, and this is this, the points I was making to, actually it was uh, the USSA and also the Marina Mile Group. You know, we, you, someone has to prescribe a course of action toward wellness if you're not able to do it yourself. And I told them that some of the things they could begin to do and to use, for instance, the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show to represent their target and also the return of the big yachts from the Mediterranean when they get to Fort Lauderdale, and most of them will come here, stop in, and have work done before they head uh, either prepare for the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show or get ready for the Caribbean charter season. You know, so, so first thing to do is, you know, it, within your respective sphere of influence within your company, you'll be a leader. And because the leader is the heart of the company, and, and, and if the heart begins to fail or it's not beating strongly, the entire, the entire corporation or the individual can fail as well. Second thing, of course, and I, and I preach this and I preach this at Super Yacht Forum as well, is have a business plan. Very few groups that I work with actually have or know what a business plan is, and all it really is is the, the prescription for wellness, as you described earlier. And that gets, this gets you on the road to recovery during the summer and sort of it prepares yourself that you can respond with the proper energy for when the market does cycle back, and you would be ahead of your, your competitors at that time. Look at your product lines. Determine uh, whether you need to differentiate your products. Uh, I recently made an analogy to uh, dating services. If there are 10 dating services on the Internet all doing the same thing, then dating services wouldn't be able to survive. But every dating service has a niche or an angle that they provide to differentiate themselves from the competitors. And uh, lastly, um, don't go into a, a panic mode and, you know, cut back on your advertising. And these would be typically uh, market responses. You know, to cut back on your marketing efforts, to uh, lay off key staff that can be gobbled up by your competitors and such. Only today I read that Volkswagen and Mercedes-Benz and it had occurred to me recently in watching some golf on TV that there were a lot of Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagen commercials and hardly any General Motors commercials. So they, re they actually increased their retail advertising during the recession. 
And then each of those companies recently reported higher than expected earnings and profitable quarters. And, and the, my point is to those that I speak to about this and advise is that the natural knee-jerk reaction is to do everything that your competitors would do, and that's constrain, constrain, constrain. And that's fine, but those vendors will be well behind the curve when the market bounces back, and, and uh, those that have been proactive will be well ahead of the pack. Mm, good point. What about owners? Are, are there any proactive steps that they can be taking to change their, their current situations? Um, anything specific as far as owners who are trying to sell versus owners who perhaps would like to buy, whether it's a new boat or a brokerage boat? Yeah, uh, yacht owners, well, I've worked with some 3,000 yacht owners over the years, and, you know, if it's one thing I do know, it's uh, ownership issues and the mind and the uh, mindsets and attitude of yachts owners. And I don't believe that there's a standard set of advice that would apply to all of them. Every one of them are different. Every one of them are different in the way they run their businesses. As for pricing, and you referred to pricing, you know, most uh, owners um, – are in a position, are in the, so as not to really have to fire sale their yachts. I recently heard Mickey Gooch speak at the Seattle U Super Yacht Conference, the owner of Antara, and he reflected on this. And, uh, you know, the open market is such right now that uh, there, there's a suggestion out there that all yacht owners are trying to fire sale their yachts. But, in fact, what you really have out there are you, you have plenty of buyers. And you have um, plenty of sellers, and there's plenty of money on the sideline. But the, but those strata that represents buying plateaus and selling plateaus really have not come together to any extent, and therefore um, what might be construed to be some extraordinary buyer's market really has not occurred because, rel because relatively speaking, owners are holding on to their prices. And to make the point about Mickey Gooch, he, he talked about chartering, and he, he talked about uh, the fact that, you know, he's been getting a lot of offers for weeks of charter on his yacht. Now, he has an interesting approach to his yacht. He tries to generate about a third of, uh, that will cover about a third of his operating expenses. So understand the mindset of a guy like Mickey Gooch, and that is that he's not one of these folks that might have jumped into the industry and cannot afford their yachts unless they're chartering 15 or 16 weeks a year. And he, so he's got brokers coming to him and saying, would you give us a slight discount? And while he may agree, that same broker might come back and say, well, uh, this other yacht owner is willing to discount it by 40%. And at that point, he walks away from the deal. So as far as my advice is, is that you know, and only, only an individual owner can really tell how aggressive he or she is in wanting to sell a yacht. But this prevailing notion and this thought that there's fire sales going on right now all over the place and that the bargain hunters are uh, scooping them all up. It's just not happening. Um, about new builds, um, in my opinion, uh, while the order book may be down, I believe that it's a great time to be considering a new build because uh, although you'll not find any of the yards, any of the major yards in the world showing uh, huge discounts on their rate sheets, I suspect that... Um, the yards are more willing to talk on some sort of a value-added basis uh, to those people that might want to get in now. And I'm not saying get a bargain. I'm saying get a good deal and maybe some value-added features on their on their projects because I believe the yards are willing to talk on that basis. Mm -hmm. What kind of value-added features do you, do you think they're 
they're giving? Is it equipment oriented? Is it service oriented? Yeah, I, I think all of the above. Uh, you know, uh, there there are a lot of companies right now that uh, happen to be, for example, in the management business and they're in the yacht building business, and uh, they're offering their clients who who are ordering new yachts, uh, for example, free management services or free charter marketing services. Now, I may not agree. That, that that that's necessarily the right thing to do. Still, those are fairly pricey items that are being thrown in and uh, into the um, the deals that are being made on new boats being built. It's just all kinds of things. It can be equipment. It can be extended warranty. It can be upgrades on certain things and all that. It, it's just that you know the it, it's just that the yards. I believe uh, I'm not saying the yards are rolling over. And lying prostate to these things, I'm just saying that um, it, the, the market is such that they're interested to talk to people who want to get into yachts. And if you're a deal maker, I think you can make a good deal that happens to represent a win-win situation for both the yard and the prospective builder. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, with um, with the Monaco Yacht Show coming up in what is really only a few weeks when you think about it, considering this is the end of May right now, and then Fort Lauderdale coming after that. Um, do you think those will be times when there'll be perhaps more buyers out and more deals being made? Um, maybe not deals. Deals may not be the right word. Except that might imply, you know, discounts, et cetera. Um, but more contracts being signed, and there being much more of a sign of a recovery in the yacht market. I uh, think that, and again, uh, this is an uh, opinion, but an opinion based on many, many years of experience and having been through a few of these, not as nearly as deep as this. But I believe that the Monaco show, uh, which always produces uh, a lot of folks on walking the docks that are charter, prospective charter clients and prospective buyers, I think the Monaco boat show is probably going to be a very good boat show. And I think also, in particular, the Fort Lauderdale boat show, and this would be consistent with uh, Mark's signs of a recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that um, I, don't, I don't believe there will be a lot of speculation going on. I don't believe there are any – I still don't believe myself that uh, there are going to be any bargains to the extent that somebody can take, pick up a boat for 40 or 50% off. I just don't think that's happening, nor do I think it's ever going to happen. But I think that the attitude uh, will be different at each of these shows. And um, I think probably that uh, we've hit the bottom, and, and as many of the economists are saying right now, you know, we're starting a long, slow crawl upward, that the stock market itself uh, has uh, changed a bit of the attitudes, that uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, the risk takers are now jumping into the marketplace, and um, whether it be the stock market or um, hard assets, risk take makers are dropping in. And I, I just think that um, provided that uh, a company is willing to be aggressive at this time, that in fact this is the time to uh, be aggressive and not be fearful of moving ahead. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for yacht owners as well. Um, and I, I, again, I harken back to what Mickey Gooch was, was suggesting the other day, and then that is that um, and it's consistent with my thinking that these two strata simply are never going to come together and that um, prices are going to hold fairly firm. And um, but I think it's going to be a good two good boat shows coming up, and also for the vendors, uh, a lot of good business coming out of all these yachts being delivered. Mm-hmm. Great, great. We've got about two minutes left, but I do definitely want to cover one more thing with you. Um, let's fast forward for a minute, and let's say it's August or September, and there definitely is 
and economic recovery occurring. Um, will companies and even owners need to change their game plans yet again once the recovery has really taken hold, and if so, how? Well, it's, it's, it's difficult to say just yet. I'm not sure what the new yachting model will be. I, I have some, I, I, I can speculate and have some ideas that there will be a new yachting model. In fact, uh, Jonathan Burgess uh, referenced uh, sort of a new form of yachting emerging in the future that we're all not quite sure what it will be. Yes, the yachting industry is going to survive, but it's going to have a new look and it's going to have a new identity. Perhaps uh, fractional ownership, for example, might be a consideration now. I uh, also heard some speculation the other day that you're not going to see these orders for these five and 600-footers any longer where bigger is better and, and everybody's trying to top one another. Uh, I think what you'll see over the short term is continued, continued um, consolidation, wherein those, as we referred to at the beginning of the interview, smaller, less capitalized companies you know, are unable to withstand the recession. They'll be gobbled up, and the strong are going to survive. Good staff will become available that can be uh, absorbed by other companies, the stronger companies, and those the firms that are capitalized will flourish in this new corporate environment. And, but one thing that I, that I want to finish with and I want to say is that uh, we can't allow the American dream to fade. And that is where, as I alluded to earlier, where the affluent become objects of derision as opposed to admiration, as we've seen in the past. And I think back, and you know the name very well, as you know, the late Bernie Little, and, you know, and what his efforts meant to the yachting industry. And he, you know, his is the classic Horatio Alger story, a rags-to-riches story, owned several yachts over 20 to 25 years, and he made things happen in the yachting business, created lots of jobs, supported many market segments. He lived out that American dream in full display, and it inspired many in the yachting business and it created quite a marketplace for yachting. And that's what yachting is all about, and that's what it should all be about in the future as well. Absolutely. Bob, thanks so much for your time today. This has been great, and I'm really sure that there are plenty of people who are going to take your advice to heart. Thanks a lot.